This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm Claire Bonnyman. And I'm Min Dariwal. And welcome to The Loop. Well, it's officially the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> yeah, sure is. Budgeting season. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm kidding. Only kind of. Um, but this is the time of year, I think, when a lot of more people become aware of finances and yeah. budgeting. Uh, it becomes really top of mind. Min, are you are you in the thick of it? I think it's uh, it's not that it becomes top of mind. I think the anxiety of having to spend. Yeah. The pressure, yes, you know, the expectation. Yep, I think that's what uh, is. You know, you feel the slow slide; it's coming at you. So, I, I mean, yeah, I, I'm thinking about it, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to not let it spiral out of control—a big snowball down a hill. It's but, just those more costs, right? You're buying yeah. gifts. You want to? I'm buying trips to places to go see people. Yes, you know, like it's just it all comes. Kind of at once. It seems like it all kind of converges at this time of the year. And yeah. so, yeah, how do you weed your way through it? How do you manage your way through it? And today, you know, we're going to talk about money on the show and we're going to start with the basics. Exactly. Because there's talk everywhere of the high cost of living and affordability. So it's not surprising that kids are starting to catch an earful. But mm. how do you explain words like inflation and recession and make exactly. them real and meaningful for students, especially when even I don't still fully understand? <laughs> <laughs> Gerald Chung is a teacher at Old Scona Academic in Old Strathcona, and among other things, he covers financial literacy. Nice. Hey, Gerald, thanks for coming on The Loop. Thank you for having me. So I will be completely honest. I wish I had this class in high school or even just this option to learn this stuff. How did you end up teaching financial literacy? Uh, we actually don't teach a formal course. Uh, we do teach calm career and life management. Where right. there is a finan- but what I do is we do it as a club. So our club meets biweekly. And it's it's a business innovation financial investment club. The kids kind of facilitate their own club, but I come in as a guest speaker to speak with them every couple weeks to to speak on a topic. And we bring in speakers also. So the example of our last speaker was from from a local bank here. So you just uh, spoke to them about inflation, about recession, about interest rates and that. And and even something as simple as opening a bank account and using a debit card and, and the advantages and disadvantages of using credit. Yeah. I mean, there's so many topics that you guys get into. How big is this club that you speak to? We have about 40 students in it. Wow. Uh, which is big. And our school isn't very big. Our school is only 360 students. So if you do the math, there's probably about between 10 and 15% of the students that are in this club. That's huge. Yeah, exactly. Were you surprised to see so many kids really curious and and wanting to learn more about finances? Yes, yes, I was, but I'm I'm also not that surprised. These kids are willing to take a challenge. Uh, we're we're an academic school, so we take it to another level. Just to give you an example, the kids are, are competing in a in a McEwen Business Challenge this weekend, so they get a case study. And they they present their position on the case, and then they go before a panel of judges who decides who who gives them questions on the case itself. Mm-hmm. So we're taking this to another level, not just <laughs> on the on the basics of you know having to learn about spending money, inflation, interest rates, and that. We're yeah. actually taking it to another level with with these type of students. So I've had these kids for like some of them are a lot of them are in grade 12 so they've been with the club for three years so they are 
their their goal is to either go go into business or possibly go into business or start a company and and you know know how to start a business or like some of them will be taking uh you know business at the post secondary level yeah i mean it's obviously a special group of kids but I, are there any challenges to making some of these ideas real cuz there are still students after all they're not necessarily paying their own taxes at this point <laughs> Yeah, the the, challenge, the 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 challenges probably come more with the younger ones, like the grade the incoming grade tens or even the elevens. The grade twelves are they're kind of getting it now uh, because they they realize that oh I might be going to university next year. I might be not not living at home anymore. Now I have to worry about paying for food, paying for rent, paying for transportation, mm-hmm. paying for utilities, and all that. So, so they are they are more they are more into it and, and saying, you know, this is something I need to look forward look at because my parents aren't, may not be footing the bill for me anymore. Yeah. Money talk is everywhere right now. And I mean, you know, they learn in calm, they're learning through this club, um, sometimes in mathematics and business classes, too. Some of these kind of financial ideas come through. Are you surprised by how much kids know or, or, or what kind of awareness they already have about money? Actually, you know what I am. Um, I'm, I'm even like I even have some students that actually play the stock market themselves. What? Like they, oh yeah, yeah. I've got a kid. One of my students, one of the executive members. He he shows me that he's got these stocks and and he's he's actually playing the stock market already. <laughs> <laughs> and they're actually they even they've got a really cool thing. Um, they 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 found this website where you can actually play the stock market in real time, but but it's also uh, it's also um, time. There's a time lapse, so so you can have a competition within the 45 minute lunch hour where you can invest in the stock market, and there's a time lapse, so you can they can compete and see who has the most, who's made the most money in that period of time. Oh my gosh! Okay, yeah, it's kind of an accelerated <laughs> stock market. Does that make sense? Yeah, Gerald, yeah. be honest with me. When you were their age, were you this into no. finding? No, okay, good. No, me no. too. <laughs> not even. Not, but I'm fortunate enough to 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 be teaching in a school here where where these kids are passionate about learning. They they're like sponges, right? They 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 want to learn. They pick up on it right away, and and they'll they'll spend time with it. What do you think, as someone who teaches and talks to this young group of folks, what are the main ideas that they need to know when we talk about money, when we talk about managing our own finances? Well, the main ideas is, again, it, it comes down to, to need, needs. What, what we present right away is what, what do you really need or what do you want? Like yeah. that's, what, that's what we break it down to, right? Needs and wants, right? Do you, can you afford to buy that new pair of jeans or... Or do you need to, or do you need to worry about paying to, paying for my bus transportation each month, or or my lunch today, or, or you know the 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 utility expense that my parents have. Mm-hmm. So I think I think that's that's kind of where we start. Is is okay. What do you need, and what do you want? Like you know, and that that's sort of the basic introduction to financial literacy. Do you have a favorite lesson to teach when it comes to money? You know, I I actually do because I'm uh, I'm more a computer guy. So I teach like cybersecurity and that. Oh. So my favorite lesson is avoiding scams. So it's like looking at our online shopping, looking at 
these people that are calling you and saying that they just inherited all this money. Can you yeah. send us your bank account, right? So, and we talk about that in cybersecurity. We talk about having good passwords, uh, logging into your banking site, protecting your PIN, like if you're at the grocery store and you're typing in the PIN on your on your debit card. That's a bias on my part, but that would be <laughs> that would be my favorite part of of teaching financial literacy. And the stock market's a big thing too, because I, I think kids need to learn. Investments is another big thing. I think they need to learn that, like why the stock market is risky, why you can make a lot of money, but you can lose a lot of money, where, where if you put your money in the bank, you're getting this guaranteed interest rate or money that's coming in each each month. What's it like to watch this group of kids wrap their heads around concepts that a lot of adults haven't even really understood? That's an interesting thing. Uh, these kids, uh, we, we have to give them more credit. They're just in tune with it. They like the collaboration piece, too. So I think when they leave the club, I think like in the hallways, they'll talk to kids that are not in the club. And, and some of the kids will even approach them and say, you know, what should I do here? Because I think they've become sort of mentors mm. for, for the kids that are not part of the club. That's kind of a cool thing, too, where you're seeing them kind of educate their peers. How do you suggest that folks start talking to the young people in their life about money and finance? Maybe they have, you know, a kid who's not as keen as maybe some of the group. How do you start to introduce some of these concepts? It starts in the home. I think I think you need to have the parents do some of that for you. Introducing it at an early age to me would would be the best thing as a like, like I don't teach elementary school but mm-hmm. I think if you if you taught the basic principles of money in elementary school and then you kind of expand it in junior high and then at high school you take it to another level you know your first question you asked me you know how do you explain to them this is how inflation works this is what we talk about a recession this is what an interest rate actually is like if it's at this percentage right interest rates on credit cards another huge thing right like if you use your credit card and you're only paying off the minimum amount you're not really getting further ahead you know simple concepts like that starting small. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot of feeling of doom and gloom around right now, but does this group and, and does this kind of program that you help run, does it give you hope that maybe, you know, there's a hope for this generation who's going into a really tough economic situation? I have hope for, I'm, I'm so confident in the future of, of the young generation. I think we have to give them more credit than they deserve. And I think these kids are aware of what's going on. I think they're seeing it every day. They're seeing it at the gas pump. Their parents are filling up. Their parents are probably telling them what it cost them to fill their car up today versus what it cost them, like, say, six months ago. They're going into the grocery store. Uh, they have fundraisers. They're reselling food or, or whatnot to make money for, for their student council or their grad or whatever. So so I think they're seeing that the true cost of of whether it's a loaf of bread or a, or a two liter of milk. So I, I think they're aware of the prices rising, especially when it comes to gas and food. Now, with electricity costs and utilities, <laughs> yeah. that might be a different story, right? They may not, that might not be something that they're aware of, like, you know, like rebates and things like that. So, but I think, I think when it comes to specifics such as food or gas, or they're going to the Tim Hortons or they're going to the McDonald's or they're going to White Avenue to buy their lunch, I'm sure they're noticing right away it's costing them more to go buy a lunch on White Ave.
this time of year, I feel bad for my bank account. We've been talking mm. about it. it. You know, I'm not alone. No. Between inflation and everything costing more than the holiday shopping and the trips to plan, forget whatever else is going on in your life, those yeah. random costs that come up. Um, I know I've changed some of my habits, but I'm, I'm still really feeling the stress. I know at one point when I saw you... Uh, Watching your groceries. Watching my groceries. And yeah, <laughs> like I, I'm I'm the grocery guy at the house and um, it's weird. Like, you know, you buy a head of lettuce and all of a sudden for the first time ever, you see it rung up as, as yeah. five bucks. And I was kind of like, I, I just kind of had to take a step back and I, yeah. and I looked at, I looked at the at the screen. And I looked at the cashier, and she looked at me, and like no words were exchanged. But she was kind of like, "Yeah, hey, yeah, this is real." Yeah, and and so it it is a reality. Like you're going out there, you you have to be conscious. I mean, you can't just be kind of if you ha- if you're on a budget or if you're trying to keep to a budget, you can't yes. be spending uh, willy nilly, right? Like no. I found a deal for avocados for half the price than what you get at Costco. Yeah. Why wouldn't I do that? Hundred percent, right? Yeah. So that other half of the money either gets saved or it'll go towards uh, coffee or something. Else, yeah, right? Exactly. Or towards the five dollar head of lettuce, so you can I, have both. Even driving, like <laughs> I, I, I make sure that I kind of try to stay to the limit because yep. you know you drive ten clicks over. Not only is there a chance you get a ticket, but you're going to go through your gas a lot faster. It's oh, all yeah. these little things that kind of creep into your head as you kind of get stretched thinner and thinner. Yeah, it's these levels of awareness that just keep growing when you're feeling the pinch of inflation of these increased prices for everything. Absolutely. Bruce Celery is the CEO of the nonprofit credit counseling agency, Credit Canada, and he joins us now to talk about how to perhaps relieve some of the pinchiness or at least prepare Mm. ourselves better. Hey, Bruce. Hi there. Hey, how are you feeling as we enter this holiday spending season? Well, I I think about it at two levels, as you can imagine, right? So I think about it for myself Mm -hmm. and my family, and then I think about it uh, because at Credit Canada, we see people who are really in dire straits, and so I am filled with um, a mixture of empathy and concern for people who are dealing with higher inflation, rising interest rates, falling housing prices, you know, all the things. And I just want to make it better for everybody. Bruce, you're a good guy. Well, (laughs) yes. Well, but it's, I think especially this time of year is hard because even if you're dealing with some of those external issues that go on long beyond the holidays, you can get caught up in buying gifts and spending Mm. on others. I know I'm, I'm justifying it, even though my budget's screaming at me, but how how do you have that conversation with others and convince them to maybe put financial responsibility first this time of year? Yeah, I think so. The two things I would say, one is your need for financial responsibility may be very different from the other person, either because they don't care Mm. or because they've got more money than you do. So they don't care. So they may not care just practically and they may not care because financially they're good. So I really recommend you have a conversation which will feel super awkward and gross and uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But what I would say is, listen, I'm looking at the holidays. Um, I know that I need to to um, really ensure that my spending's within what I can afford. So can we set some priorities on the way this goes this year? Like what's really important to you? Let me talk about what's really important to me and let's find a middle ground here because I need to keep on top of my spending. Mm-hmm. Is there like a comparison? That's how it goes. That's <laughs> how it goes. There, you just saw it right there. <laughs> it's easy. It sounds easy. But is there too, I think there's a dissonance between the money that we spent maybe during the pandemic and not. Can you, is there a middle ground you can find or some way to help navigate those to figure out what you actually can and should be spending? Well, I'm going to oversimplify it. If you have $1 in outstanding debt on your credit card 
you are overspending. One dollar. One dollar month to month. If it's like, you know, and sometimes it's like, ugh, I had a car repair. So I I had that outstanding on my credit card for mm. a month. And then in three months I got it sorted out. But you know yourself, you're either someone who um, get, pays your credit card off in full most months or you're not. And if you're not, you have some real work to do on cash flow. And I say work, some of that's very practical, like what's coming in, what's going out. And some of it is psychological. It's emotional. And there are many, many things that prevent us from doing that work because many of us feel like we deserve, and it's not like we deserve a trip to Europe twice a year, (laughs) but we deserve to order Uber Eats. Like, come on, I'm a grown up. I have a job, but why can't I just order Uber Eats? And so the sort of puritanical Bruce is you can't afford it. And that's not fun to hear. That's not helpful. How is that? Woo, I love Christmas. But you know that Scotiabank slogan, you're richer than you think? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's a different slogan. And (laughs) and I say this jokingly, but this is going to cut really to the heart of it for some people. You're poorer than you think. I knew that was coming. It does cut, though. I feel that. It does. Like you think, oh, you know, it's a big deal. Like I have an education. I have a job. I should be able to fill in the blank, whatever it is that you want to spend on. But if you have one single dollar chronically outstanding on your credit card, you can't afford it. All right. This is a bit of a reality Hooray! check. Thanks, Bruce. This is, when you, this is when you roll tape. This is when you roll music. <laughs> you must music be great at parties, dude. <laughs> so fun. It's light, lucky that I'm um, a likable person. Yes. I would be a loathful oh, person. The worst would be like person going the other way. Yeah. ever. And you have to remember, I, I am empathetic, right? Yeah. It's not like I'm, you know, talking about this real. from the person. Yeah. Uh, it's like, it's the real truth. No. And wouldn't you rather have the real truth? The advantage, then I promise I'm going to shut up. The advantage <laughs> our elders had in earlier times mm-hmm. is there was no credit card. Yeah. There was a charge card, but there was no credit card. But you, so yeah. if you didn't have the money, you didn't get the thing. Yeah. yeah. Very simple. And it, it, the world, the financial services industry has made it so much harder on all of us. It's basically like, you know, right now you go to your fridge and if you haven't grocery shopped in two weeks, there's nothing there. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you live at a club med, you go down to the buffet and you're like pulling up a chair at the omelet station because there's an infinite amount of food. And that's what credit cards have enabled a near infinite amount of spending. And I don't mean infinite, but certainly more spending than most of us can afford. And how I know that is so many people have a chronic outstanding balance on their credit card. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's logic for sure. So listen, aside from this uh, avalanche of holiday shopping and stress that's coming at us right now, of course, there are a lot of non-negotiable costs, right? So how can we make sure we're going to be able to make ends meet when times do get financially tough? So Again, it comes back to cash flow. Mm. And what you're looking at is what's coming in, your after-tax pay, and what's going out. And there's some rigor here in terms of your thinking, because as you say, your mortgage and rent are non-negotiable. Right. There's around the margins, maybe you can do something, but they're Mm non-negotiable. There is a tremendous amount, though, that may feel non-negotiable, but it is discretionary. So even food is discretionary. If you Mm. get really focused on it, you could significantly reduce the amount of meat protein that you buy each week. You can um, 
make different choices on when you travel on the weekends and incur the gas that you pay. And I'm oversimplifying just really to make the point here, but you have to get really, really real about that because if the economy takes a turn and if you are um, not earning income, where's that money coming from Mm. for the non-negotiables, the rent, the mortgage, and the basic food to put into your fridge? So we hear, uh, you know, you, you talk about a financial readiness kit. What What is in mm. yours? Oh, my gosh. Okay, I love this idea of a financial readiness kit. Okay, so I came up with this idea because we talk about it a lot when it comes to um, natural disasters. Like, there's a blackout, there's a fire, there's... Well, with that, it's, I don't know, you need um, Band-Aids and you need flashlights and you need these things. Well, right. when it comes to your money, the financial readiness kit, first of all, includes some cash because there could be an outage mm-hmm. and the ATMs don't work. There is... Um, access to low cost credit if you don't have an emergency fund. So Mm. I would love it if everybody had an emergency fund. If they didn't, and you really do have an emergency, like you have been laid off and the only other place is your credit card, I would rather you have a secured line of credit so that you didn't have to put your um, rent payment on that credit card because that's not ideal. So um, how we frame these kits, and you can download them at creditcanada.com slash FLM2022. There's a number of them for different demographics, but they take you through a series of questions. And the first question is, are you earning more than you're spending? So are you living within your means, cash flow wise? Number two, have you eliminated your high interest debt, credit card debt? Third, are you saving for things that are important to you? Which is, you know, Min, you're a parent. It could be retirement. It also could be kids' education. education it could yeah. be a vacation, all those things. So the readiness kit is asking yourself a whole bunch of questions. And metaphorically, it was like, oh, geez, I don't have a can of tuna. I'm going <laughs> to go get a can of tuna, put that in my readiness kit. <laughs> so it's those kinds of things. And certainly uh, a will, life insurance. Yes. There's a whole bunch of things on there. Yeah. And as you mentioned, too, it's different for folks in different situations. Like Min's got two yeah. kids. I just have a cat. So he'll yeah. be fine. But- life insurance. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Life insurance is real. Yeah. Yeah. If you are sitting in the middle of this very tough economic situation and you're finding finances a challenge right now, do you have any advice? What can people do? There is always hope. Sometimes people ask me, like, is it too late to start saving for fill in the blank here? Mm -hmm. It's never too late. There is always hope. And I think what I'd really encourage people to focus on is what's within their circle of control. Mm. Because whether there is a recession or not, whether there is a resurgence in the pandemic or not, the war in Ukraine, the political interest rates, you can't control that. What you can control is how you spend your money and what you can influence is how much you bring in. So that could be overtime hours. It could be asking for a raise, getting a different job that pays more money. It, there's lots of different ways in which you can influence your income. And that's what I would focus on because it is just too much when you factor in all those other things. I want you to focus on the fewest possible things. And then you know what you have to do after you've focused on the fewest possible things? You need to watch Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> You need to watch more guilty pleasure 
television is what you need to do. <laughs> do you have any specific show recommendations? Oh my God, I just finished Only Murders in the Building. <gasps> so good. It's so good. <laughs> okay, I gotta write this. It's so good. It's so um, good. I watched The Lake, which I really like. The Lake, okay. Oh, yeah, The Lake. Oh, I'm watching Sort Of on CBC Gem. Oh, I very love good. Sort of. Have you watched Sort Of? It's I watched so the first good. season. Season two's yeah. up. Okay. Season two's up. It's excellent. Okay. Here's where this links in. Yeah. Like we're, we're kidding about Netflix, and of course, I'm always kidding, but I'm also very serious in that I want people to get a handle on their money so that they can get back to life. Yeah. Not so that they will go to heaven, not so that their parents will approve, not so that they're, you know, whatever, their spouse won't yell at them so much, though that's a bonus. Uh, <laughs> but I want people to get a handle on their money so they can get back to life. Like really, when you build your financial life in a way that is sustainable, it means you don't have to think about it. Like you're not focused on it. It's not a big project. It's not a thing you do on Sundays. It's it's like breathing. You know, it just kind of works. And and think about areas of your life that work. They work because you've got habits that work for you. And whether that's exercise or eating or your job or your marriage or your friendships, there are certain areas of your life that just kind of work. And they kind of work largely because you have habits that just kind of work. You know, sometimes they don't, but for the most part they do. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, money's on a lot of people's minds right now. So, Bruce, thank you so much for the advice and the tips. You're welcome. Thanks for the invitation. The Loop is a podcast from CBC Edmonton. And our team this week is Leslie Goldstone, Corey Haberstock, Olivia O. Our theme music is Change Your Mind by Edmonton musician John Common. And I'm Claire Bonnyman. And I am Mindariwal. And absolutely, we want to thank you once again for listening. The Loop is recorded on Treaty 6 territory, traditional lands of First Nations and Métis communities. If you want to get in touch with us, you can several different ways. You can send us an email at theloop at cbc.ca, or you can get on the Twitter. Tweet us. And tweet us. I'm at Mindariwal. I'm at Mammy Knob. Leave us a rating or a review wherever you download the show, and you can find us on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you all back here, same time, same place, next week. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.